today, whenever I discuss with people, I keep telling them that for me, this is more of a product development and everybody is part of the product development. You can't really just say that, well, I'm, I'm only going to work on this small corner and even though it affects everybody else, I, I don't care about it, right? Hello, welcome to the Cucumber Podcast. I'm Matt Wynn. And this week we're speaking to Andreas Markerson and Shiraz Iqbal. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Yes. Great. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Well, you're you're coming from uh, you're speaking just from Copenhagen, Denmark. Is that right? Yes. And over your shoulder, I can see that the sun has almost set. Yeah, I think it's almost the light. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's kind of uh, yeah, the sun has set. Yeah, here. So it's the short winter days now in the in the frozen north. So, so um, we've invited uh, Andreas and Shiraz on because uh, we love a we love a story, we love a journey, um, and these two have been on a a, a great journey um, to adopt BDD in their in their company, um, and so uh, yeah, we just wanted to get you two on really to to hear that story and, and have you tell that story. Um, so may, maybe a good thing to do just initially though is is if each of you could just take a a minute to introduce yourselves to the listeners. So say a bit about. Uh, who you are and what you do. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Andreas and I'm, uh, I, I used to be a developer and I took the classical journey of becoming then a consultant and a team lead and a project manager. And all, along the way, I, I became a scrum master and, uh, and, uh, had, had various roles and, um, uh, ended up actually becoming head of development in a company, um, and then uh, it was a small company. But nevertheless, uh, I ended up having the responsibility for quality control and development, and and uh, that led me to a journey of kind of abandoning my project management tasks and finding out that my I had more joy in in me delivering things faster and. Uh, and then I've gradually grown to work more and more with with automatic testing and uh, and the things that BDD bring into the play of of doing things in a more efficient way. So uh, and now I work as a consultant. Uh, it's my second uh, task uh, as a dedicated uh, BDD or QA consultant. So um, I'm really happy about that. Yeah, and I've been here with uh, TDC or with New Day. Um, about half a year or something. Year, yeah. yeah, yeah. Since May. Been a half a year. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies <laughs> when you're having fun. <laughs> yeah, my name is Raz, and uh, I also have developer background. Um, I worked as a developer initially, and uh, started my work uh, life as a consultant as well. And uh, after a couple of years, uh, the quality aspect of uh, Software delivery started to interest me more. Uh, I've always been on the other side uh, where you deliver something and then you have to kind of, um, how do you say it, uh, work on phase two and phase three of a delivery. And uh, suddenly I realized that uh, that's not really what your customers want. <laughs> so I started to look more at the quality aspect. And uh, five years ago, I joined the uh, testing company so so basically i stopped working as a developer and moved on the other side as you can say 
And uh, since then, I've been uh, working mainly with the uh, quality insurance. Yeah. And uh, I, I started on this company back in 2015 as a, a automation uh, consultant. I was here for, for a half a year and uh, then continued for uh, half a year more. And uh, then since then, I've just been here for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so Shiraz, you were telling me you, uh, you started out there, you were writing the iOS, uh, like some acceptance tests for the, for the iOS application. No, actually, uh, my test manager has already written uh, a number of uh, regression test cases and uh, they wanted to automate all that. So I was brought in for, right. for one month and I was supposed to do the automation for uh, iOS and Android. And he had already selected the framework. So the setup was kind of in place. Uh, they started uh, a puck on iOS. So he knew that it could work. They haven't started, they hadn't started on Android back then. So I completed the iOS one and then I jumped on Android as well. And yeah, it, it had some difficulties, but uh, it worked quite well, actually. Yeah, so in one month, we had all those so, 80 test cases uh, automated. Wow. So so the app is uh, cross-platform, yeah? yeah? So you have a version of it on iOS, on Android, and a, and and a, a browser-based version as well. And we yeah. have it on televisions as well. Yeah. Set-top boxes and televisions. and Both Android TV and Apple TV is also supported. Right. And and also various different TVs, like because I've done some work with TVs, the, the yeah. where you have a kind of a, a weird uh, a weird browser with a weird yeah. JavaScript on it. Yeah. So LG yeah. and Samsung has their own proprietary software running there. So it's it's yeah. a it's a copy of Android TV, but then again, it's not really the same thing. Fascinating. And. Your goal um, or your aim, your vision is, has been to use the same Gherkin specifications, the same business specifications yeah. to then execute automated tests on all of these different platforms. Yeah. 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 And how? At ones, yeah. At least the ones where it's, it's possible to automate. So, yeah. But previously what, I, what we did was that we created two set of uh, BDD files. Uh, because uh, there was also a test manager for the web uh, for, for our web solution and me and him we were kind of sharing our uh, BDD files and then I would do the step definition for iOS and Android and he would do the step definitions for web uh, and because web was so different from uh, from the mobile app um, he had to kind of uh, amend it and uh, make it work for web Right, so you ended up with slightly different versions yeah. of the business specifications. Yeah. 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 Well, even though the behavior of the applications essentially was the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that was really the the different step definitions that were forcing you to use different language in the in the Gherkin, was it? Yeah. And how and did you... Website, he that? used Selenium to do it, and I right. used uh, Ruby to... Yeah, that was kind of the thing I thought would work yeah. for me because I had previously experienced with JavaScript, so I thought, well, Ruby would work for me, so I chose that. Have you ended? Have you been able to bring them closer together so that you can use one specification for for all the platforms, ah. or do you still have different versions? Kind of the same situation today, I would say, because on mobiles you can say that on Android and on iOS you can have the same because the screen size is the same. But for web, the, the, the layout will be different because you have a different size of screen. 
the way the user interacts with the app is kind of different. Yeah. So your BDD can't really be an exact uh, replica in that case. Um, but that also refers to the to the experiences from the first uh, the first experience with BDD here in the firm, um, and and now we 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 restarted the BDD um, because the original prototype, as uh, that was before I came on, as far as I understand, that was uh, was never really uh, it was never really maintained because you know, you had to do it on your own. So basically, when we did that, it was something that was brought in by QA and developers were not really engaged to to be part of it. And since the framework didn't support Objective-C, that's why we had to do it with a, with a language that was supporting it back then. Yeah. And Calabash wasn't supporting anything else than Ruby back then. So I went ahead and did my uh, coding and uh, obviously somebody had to maintain that. And the company back then thought, well, that's it. You don't really have to do more work on it. And over time, obviously, it, it, it got behind. And uh, developers were not interested in uh, maintaining that because they didn't see that as a development task. This was a QA task, and they didn't see themselves as QA. So nobody wanted to, to work with it, basically. And uh, this time, when we discussed this, and the reason why Andres is uh, here as well is that I told them that I need more engagement from the developers. So this time, last time I did it with Ruby outside of the framework, this time I'm gonna take the challenge and do it with your framework. So I can engage the developers to help out more in this and take more responsibility. So if that takes me to learn Objective-C or Swift or whatever language they're using, then I'm up for the challenge and I will do it. Right on. Uh, because this way we can have all the developers to contribute more rather than seeing this as uh, is something your QA is responsible of. Because today, whenever I discuss with people, I keep telling them that for me, this is more of a product development and everybody is part of a product development. You can't really just say that, well, I'm, I'm only going to work on this small corner and even though it affects everybody else, I, I don't care about it, right? So, I mean, QA-wise, I shouldn't be, uh, well, it's not really my responsibility how the developers are working, but at the end, it's, it's, a, it's a complete product we want to deliver. So if we don't work well together, the product is not going to be that good. Yeah, and developing the acceptance tests in a different programming language to the one that the developers use becomes another barrier to exactly. keep the developers away from feeling ownership over those, over those yep. tests. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah. So, um, yeah. So basically we, we had the first one, uh, uh, and that kind of, um, we had the first PDD introduction and, and that, uh, didn't really catch fire or didn't really, uh, made an impact. Uh, so the second time around we, as you as mentioned, we decided to uh, to do it in another way that that we wanted instead of having a not not the excuse but the barrier of using another programming language, we decided to use the same programming language as the developers use in their own code, so they didn't have the context switch. Um, so so that meant that we on on Android, for instance, we use 
uh, we use Kotlin, uh, which is the new uh, the new and fancy language on Android, uh, and we use um, Swift on iOS, and we are planning to use TypeScript on web. So it will be the same programming language as the developers use. Um, so the the ambition is, of course, if they have page objects or test fixtures or other things that that they use uh, in their regular smoke tests, then they would be able to reuse that. Uh, but it also so that they feel more at home in the environment. Um, and I think that that made the developers kind of see this as a programming challenge. Uh, and I, so far, the developers have uh, have been been pretty pretty uh, enthusiastic about it. And they've they've joined along and. And now they're writing uh, uh, step definitions and doing the automation. So and and I think that on on Android our current status is something like twenty five scenarios, uh, twenty twenty five scenarios, uh, and then iOS and web uh, will be following in this print. Um, yeah. So that's. Uh, Ah, so you can use because you have the one set of specifications. You can use that as a as a yardstick to measure the amount of implementation on the different platforms. So you could see which ones have yeah have implemented which yeah. features. Yep. Yeah. So from a product product management standpoint, it's also useful. From a project planning perspective, I first thought it was kind of annoying that we couldn't put more speed into it. But uh, now my my thought is that it's kind of nice that we had the we had some some expensive learnings or some valuable learnings on Android uh, in terms of uh, how we write our gherkins, uh, and I'm I'm really satisfied that we had those experiences only on one uh, programming language, and we didn't have to do the same mistakes on iOS that we did on Android. Um, yeah, because then when you wanted to change things, you'd have had to change it in three places. Yeah, yeah. so it was yeah. obviously stuff like uh, uh, having to think about really in detail about how we write our our feature files and uh, not being uh, not being uh, native English speakers, we we had to think about really about how we wrote uh, the givens and the whens and the thens. Uh, and thinking about if we say I am this or I given I I'm a user that or given uh, so those kind of how we talk about the user we had to yeah. align and and also if we had one where we say given the list is on item three or item three is on the list so those kind of things we had to align uh, and it, it's nice that those kind of learnings. Uh, we only had those in one programming language, and we only had those in. Uh, we didn't disturb too many people trying to learn that. Right. So your model is to have one platform kind of blazing a trail, and then the others yeah. are following behind. Yeah. 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 And that's 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 Android. That is, uh, and I think Android will be, uh, for for a period at least, be the one that is the first. Um, and so you mentioned that you you'd had a this sort of evolution of your your style if you like your your um voice in your in your gherkin specifications yeah. can you say a bit more about how you evolved that voice and what you've done to kind of help 
standardize it across the different work streams? Yeah, we uh, the team that Shiraz is uh, heading is uh, what we call a QA chapter. We have something like uh, something that some people refer to as the Spotify model. So we have an iOS chapter and a web chapter, an Android chapter, and we are the QA chapter. Uh, and that consists of 15 developers, sorry, uh, 15 QA specialists. Um, and that's actually a strength because uh, people have a really quality-oriented focus. And one of the one of our members, she's really good at at uh, at commenting on if things are not consistent. So uh, we created a document. Um, uh, we yeah, we've actually been through a lot because we we yeah. uh, we started teaching people GitHub, and we created a a document on our GitHub site. Uh, where we have a tone of voice document. So we started writing down mm. how we speak and how we write. Uh, and it's not really a vocabulary. It's kind of different from a vocabulary because we also need a vocabulary. But uh, it was the thing about how we talked about the users. And uh, yeah. Um, and and we also talked about, because the, the application is, is Danish. So we talked about when do you want to, when do you want to, uh, say uh, the TV section or the children's section, uh, or when do you want to mention the Danish word brown? So we we kind of decided on labels that that if we have things that is a label on this on the screen, we write it in quotes. Uh, and if we have we have something like if it's a concept like um, yeah I don't know. Uh, the promo view or something, then that is a concept. So we had to kind of align on those things. Um, yeah, and then something uh, basic like uh, when something is the future or when it's the present or when it's an active form, because uh, we had to, I didn't think about it that much, but in the beginning, um, we didn't really, you couldn't really tell the difference between if it was in the given block or if it was in the then block. So if it was, you yeah. say, the, th the thing about given, the, also the example you have in the Cucumber reference. So given I have 430 euros on my account, then I deposit 400 euros, and then I have 340 euros on my account. Um, so, yeah. uh, so obviously, being able to differentiate between a given step and a then step, we didn't think about making that explicit. Um, and that caused the developers to make step definitions that were not uh, that were not usable. Because uh, as you probably know, the when you write something in the given, you're allowed to change things. So you, you have like a right, you're allowed to change the, val the number of, uh, the, the amount of money on your account. But it, when you write it in the then, you are in a read-only mode. Yeah. And so we introduced, uh, we just recently introduced the word should. So every yeah. time there is, it. so if you want to write something in the then, you have to use the word should. Um, it might be a bit stringent, but that's that's what we needed to do to, yeah. Yeah, to get everybody consistent. Yeah. And then there's actually some talk about where, whether we're going to change that flexibility in Cucumber and have it more specific. So when you're defining a step, you say whether it is a given or a when or a then step mm. so that actually we won't have so much of that confusion. Yeah. But I think it's actually nice that 
And one of the ways we, we got uh, reminded about this constraint in Cucumber was actually because on Java, you get a duplicate if you have the same, uh, you get a duplicate warning by the compiler if you have the same text twice, hmm. which, is, uh, which is pretty nice. And then I started reading about it, and then I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's something about Cucumber that I forgot from my, uh, from my Cucumber training. Um, <laughs> so uh, that was, uh, yeah. So that was one of the things we, and now it's gradually a process that we discuss in the, in the QA chapter on how to align. And every time we, we discuss, uh, we, we review our feature files, we, we gradually build up this tone of voice document. Yeah. Um, and so, s stepping back a little bit from from this this detail about how you're doing BDD, let's talk a bit about why you're doing it. So, um, yeah. I, I know that when you first started on this re refreshed um, attempt at BDD, the the we call it cycle time, right? The 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 duration for um, for you to take some new user stories and release them into production was about six weeks. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And and so uh, how was that six weeks being spent and, and what is your kind of goal with, with that with that time frame now? So so today we have two uh, we have three sprints in a six week uh, six weeks release. Uh, two two and then two for regression. So four weeks of development time. And uh, we would like to have uh, the same sprints but we would like to be able to release after each sprint so even though it might not be a customer centric release it could be a silent release every two weeks but then every six week would be a, a customer focused uh, release because we also have marketing involved here and they need to have their fixed release dates yeah so uh, so and and so what what's basically uh, keeping us away from uh from releasing every every two weeks is uh, yeah it's the, the fact that uh, that we have to do manual verification yeah. to know that the application is uh, is live because uh, we're building the the TV and movies TV and film application um, for the the biggest Danish TV aggregator or TV distributor so it's something that uh, that a lot of people use so we yeah. it's really important that it works. So it takes about a week or two. Uh, we have two weeks set aside in the calendar for making a release, um, and we, uh, yeah, and and uh, and we still use that because we we haven't we haven't we are still early in our BDD uh, journey, um, but so we we cannot yet say that we have uh, that we are able to release faster. But we can definitely see that it it is uh, doing other good things for us. So, but the ambition is definitely to be able to release every two weeks. Yeah. So that's your goal. And right now, you're still having. I mean, it's that. So, so from what you're saying, it's basically for every two weeks you spend developing new features, you have to spend one week testing it to try and find defects. Yes. So you can say one third of the time is kind of uh, uh, not waste, but still. Uh, yeah, not directly. Yeah, it's it's work that you can't plan. You don't know what it's going to be. You're, you're just having to put it in as contingency time because you're in, anticipating there being mistakes, but you don't know what those mistakes will be. So it's kind of um, 
what systems thinking you might call failure demand. So, so um, I, are you already starting to see some reduction in the uh, workload in that uh, in in those th those regression periods, or is it too early for that yet? Um, well, we. Uh... Uh, Shiraz and the team has done already a lot of things to improve the quality. Uh, so the way we we count the workload uh, is the number of release candidates that the development teams do. So every time uh, after the, the four weeks, the developer teams make a release candidate, uh, and then the testers or QA specialist starts to test that. Mm. Uh, and then we find a number of bugs, and that gets fixed, and we get another release candidate. And I think we've I think you told me that you used to be about at eight release candidates yes. or seven. Yeah. And uh, already with a more structured approach to, to testing, I think we're down to an average of three or five. Three or five, yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, the ambition is to be able to go down to having only two, uh, one or two release candidates and then being able to release that. Yeah. Um, so ideally, right, you make one release candidate and it's good and you ship it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, uh, because then then we would able to still have our automatic. So we would be able to have a su sufficient coverage on our BDD automatic reg regression test. Um, but we would also have some exploratory manual test where we just go in and check the check that the, the colors are right and the, the feeling yeah. is right and, and all the things yeah. we haven't covered are, are right. And then we can release in a day or something like that. Yeah, that that is yeah. obviously the the ambition, and then and then we can't live with having one or two or three uh, times where we have to re repeat that test. Yeah, so that's that's the that's the overall ambition. So we're already seeing that we I think we have I think we can see that some of the the most basic bugs we don't see them anymore. At least not we see them that on Android. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So the automatic testing on on Android has made a difference already. Right, so maybe you're still finding as many bugs, but they're more sophisticated, more yes. um, subtle defects. Yeah, um, they are. But we're also seeing other, def um, we're also seeing other advantages about uh, introducing BDD, but I don't know if we should take that now mm. or later, but we, we, uh, we started uh, teaching uh, the QAs about example mapping. Um, so uh, the first phase uh, of, of BDD, um, you know, the discovery phase and the formulation phase and the automation phase. And, and we saw that uh, we could do an, we can get an advantage about, uh, of teaching the QAs about example mapping to get better clear clarity about uh, rules and examples, but also questions. And, uh, most of the teams we've taught, they're pretty happy about that. Um, so they experience that they do their Scrum refinements faster. Um, yeah, and the QAs have, they now have a more structured way of asking the right questions. So that's great. So, so even that one simple technique is making the teams feel feel more kind of efficient. And can you say a bit about how you're dividing responsibilities moving from there? So if you have a collaborative discovery session, how do you move from there to having Gherkin that is re ready to be tested or actually working as a, as a test? What's the, what's the sort of steps and who's involved in those? Um, yeah, we, uh, the different teams do it in a different way, but 
some of the teams I work with, they uh, after the session, uh, we go down. Uh, we after the the short session, we we go and write a cucumber feature file or basically a gherkin feature file. Um, and to begin with, we shared that in Slack with our product owner. Um, but then we uh, stumbled across uh, Cucumber Pro or Cu Cucumber Jam. Uh, mm. So what we are doing now is that we are writing the writing the feature file. Um, actually, we're writing it in VS Code, Visual Studio Code. Yep. Uh, and we uh, and we actually now have a auto completion of existing steps because we've imported the step files from the Android project into our project. Um, Aha, so you can keep the language the same even if you don't have step definitions for it yet. Yeah. Nice, uh, right. So, yeah. so because, yeah, so that's, uh, so so that's, yeah. So we write them in, in VS Code and then we commit them to Git. Uh, and on Git, they uh, automatically get uh, sent to Cucumber Jam. Uh, where we uh, and that enables us to have our POs to comment on them. Um, uh, so Cucumber Jam is the is the platform where uh, they can our POs can comment on it. It's kind of a review platform. Uh, so we write our our feature files with rules and examples and um, yeah. So the POs don't have to write the Gherkin, they just review it. No, no, no. They actually, they yeah. We we don't want the uh, we because uh, as far as we understand, we do the, we the reason why we do it. Uh, we have the PO, sorry, the the QAs and the devs to write it. Um, first of all, because we had some uh, resistance from the POs in writing this, and the, but my re, uh, primary argument for doing it uh, is that you we get feedback if people understand if the developers are understanding what if the QAs and developers are understanding what to produce um, they're able to write the gherkin and if they don't get it if they haven't understood the requirements the rules and the examples then they're not able to write the gherkin so we get yes. the first level of feedback if yes. the story is understood or not and that's why we because this is important. this is counterintuitive right but this is this is really working for you and and the product owners are happier because they don't have to do the the hard work they can just they can minimize the amount of time they spend just on reading and reviewing rather than having to sit and write things from scratch yeah yeah and because they already they've already written all the user stories right so it's another yeah. level of uh, documentation they have to do yeah and yeah. they don't need to explain themselves over and over again. The yeah, question yeah. is, do we understand what it is that they are uh, that they are expecting from us? So, right. can you say a little bit about what the feeling is like for this team now that they're using Cucumber Jam, they're collaborating in this way through example mapping, and then getting the, the feedback on the Gherkin and and going through and doing the test. What's the what's the feeling? Can you sum that up with words? Like, how does this team feel? Well, I think uh, I, uh, I, 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 I'm coming from the outside, but I experienced that the the QA team, um, they're are more enthusiastic because they feel that they have some frame a framework to work within. Uh, I feel that the the collaboration in the team is is better because they are uh, better at understanding refinements. Um, 
and and the POs are asking now asking for to do uh, example mapping sessions. So um, so actually the the team also they they get closer together. One of the scrum masters mentioned that in the beginning she wasn't really a part of the she didn't feel like she was a part of the team, but now being part of the example mapping sessions, she kind of had to. Uh, to understand more about the the problem domain or the the requirements, uh, so I think it brings the team closer together, uh, and I think we will. It seems like we have fewer misunderstandings in the team now, and mm. uh, the questions they surface earlier. Um, so yeah, that's kind of so that's kind mm-hmm. of nice. I agree. I think uh, it's working very well for us. Uh, people, I think it requires a certain kind of mentality. If you have an agile mindset and if you really are a team player, then this is a good tool. It is a good framework and it's working very well for some of the teams. And then there are other teams where they're still struggling struggling a little bit because maybe it's some people who just want to sit in front of the computer and code. They're not really that much into the whole team sessions like example making mm. requires. So that's still something that we we have to work on, and I'm I'm really glad that we've taken this journey and it's taken some time because people need time to get adjusted to the change as well. Some people have been really mm-hmm. uh, quickly ad- adopting this. Uh, people who've had uh, past experience with app development, uh, they see this as a product development. Uh, the team I'm part of, I, I actually have two developers who has been in uh, two startups. So they understand the aspect of a product delivery. And then the, you have some junior developers who are coming directly from uni and uh, they've only learned to develop, right? So it's it's difficult for them to to accept that, okay, I have to sit down with a QA and you know go through the whole specification again. Can't I just sit and start coding? No, you can't <laughs> because we need to build the right thing, right? It's a good thing we have going on here, yeah. yeah. We all obviously have some people with various years in the organization and various years of uh, experience. So the I think that that this is a part of the the agile collaboration journey that that I think most teams and departments are going through. Yeah. So um, yeah. I'm actually really gl- glad that we found Jam because you know most product owners they come from a business background. They're not very technical. They don't really want to sit and work with GitHub and look at the technical part of it. And Jam yeah. kind of helps us with the, with a with a platform that that's more user friendly to them because they're used to writing user stories user stories in Jira or work with the wiki, and then you have Jam, which is kind of the similar thing. Instead of yeah. starting up an editor like Visual uh, Visual Studio or uh, something like that, you know, it, it's not something that you will get a business person to to work with. Yeah, and then the, yeah. the way that you can put your feedback uh, as a reviewing platform, that's very easy to see, right? So we're actually very happy that we stumbled upon Jam as well. Oh, that's great. That's really nice to hear. Well, so we're out of time now. So I just need to say thank you very much to both of you. Um, thank you for having and, us. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's been, been really nice to hear your story. And I hope it's inspired, uh, inspired some of our listeners to, to tread the same path. Yeah. So uh, Shiraz Iqbal and Andreas Markerson. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. And remember, listeners, 
If you enjoyed this episode, please comment and subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. I've been Matt Wynn. This is the Cucumber Podcast. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.